Chapter 19 of The Orphan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Orphan by Clarence E. Mulford. Chapter 19 The Orphan Goes to the A.Y. The A.Y. had been a very busy place for the past two weeks because of the cattle which had to be rebranded and taken care of, and of other things which had to be done about the ranch. The sheriff had taken title, and had persuaded Crawford to remain in nominal charge for a month at the most, so as to keep the sale a secret until the new owner would be ready to make it known. So word went around that Crawford had hired the sheriff to put things on a paying basis, and that half of the old outfit had left, their places being filled by Charlie, the two Larkin brothers, and two men from a northern ranch. Shields had been very pleased with the cattle which the orphan had bought for him, and had asked Blake if he could borrow the new puncher to help him get things in good running shape. Blake had told the orphan of the sheriff's request, and had advised him to accept, which the puncher was very glad to do. So this is how the former outlaw became temporary foreman of the A.Y. under the sheriff. Only the sheriff's most intimate friends knew his plans, one of whom was Charlie Winter found food for mirth in the unique position things had taken. The sheriff's deputies, who had lain outdoors all night on the crossbar eight waiting to capture or kill the outlaw, were now working under him, and the best of feelings prevailed. The man who had hunted the orphan now employed him as the bearer of the responsibilities of the new ranch. Truly a change! While the orphan was busy with his duties on the A.Y., the sheriff rode to the Star Sea and sought out the foreman, whom he finally found engaged in freeing a cow that had become mired in a quicksand. As the terror-stricken animal galloped wildly away from the scene of torture and indignities to its person, Blake mopped his face and began to scrape the quicksand from him. "'Playing life-saver, eh?' laughed the sheriff. The foreman looked up and smiled sheepishly. "'Yes,' he replied as he shook hands with the sheriff. One cow more or less won't make nor break no ranch, but I just can't see em suffer. The boys and I were passing, so we stopped and got to work. But cows ain't got no gratitude, not nohow. That ornery beast will be all ready to charge me the first time he sees me afoot. Did you see him try to horn me when I let go?" His friend laughed, and when they had ridden some distance from the others, he turned in his saddle. Well, the orphan is working like a horse, and he likes it, too," he said. You ought to hear him giving orders. He just asks a man to do a thing, don't order it done. When he talks it sounds like the puncher would be doing him the greatest possible favor to do the work he is paid to do, but there is a suggestion that if any nastiness develops, hell would be a peaceful place compared to the near vicinity of the foreman of the A.Y. He sizes up a thing with one look and then tells how it should be done. Everything has gone off so fine that I'm going to ask you to lose a good man, and real soon, too. What do you say, Tom?" Blake laughed. "'Why, we were a-plenty before he came, and we'll be a-plenty after he goes.' "'That's for your asking me to turn him over to you. The boys will be both sorry and glad to have him leave, because they like him a whole lot but, of course, they want to see him land everything that he can, so they'll give him a good send-off. That reminds me to say that I know they will want to be on hand when you break the news to him. 
It'll be a circus for your eastern friend, Miss Ritchie." "'Now you're talking,' enthused the sheriff. "'I want to have as many fireworks at the ceremony as I can possibly get. Oh, it'll be a great day, all right. We are all going out and take a bang-up lunch, just like we're going on that picnic that Bill's been so worried about, and Bill is going to drive the women over in his coach. The first surprise will be the announcement of the new ownership of the A.Y., and right on top of it I'm going to fire the second gun. I hope none of your boys know anything about it,' he added with anxiety. "'Not a thing,' hastily replied the foreman. You have your wife send a message to me by Joe when he rustles our mail tomorrow and ask us to come to the picnic at the A.Y. on the day which you will decide on. They'll go all right, no fear about that. Nothing more than your wife's cooking is needed to attract them." And he laughed heartily at how suddenly they would come to life at such a summons. Shields thought intently for a few seconds, and then slapped his thigh. "'I've got it,' he exulted. I'll ride over to your place with you and write a letter to my wife telling her just what to do. Joe can deliver it and bring back the invitation. You see, I won't be home tonight, but that will do the trick all right. Now, what do you say to this coming Saturday? This is, let me see, Wednesday. Will that be time enough for you to make any arrangements you may want to make? Sure, plenty of time, Blake laughed. It's good all the way. Joe will be delighted to have a real good excuse to call at your house. He's a bashful cuss, like all the rest. They talk big, but they're some bashful all the same. He's been worrying about it, for one day he came to me with a funny expression on his face, and acted like he didn't know how to begin. So I asked him what was troubling him, and he blurted out like this, as near as I can remember. Well. You know Mrs. Shields said we was to go to her house when any of us hit town?" he asked. I sure do, I answered, wondering what was up. Well, I go to town a lot, and it takes a H-blank L of a lot of gall to do it, he complained, looking so serious that it was funny. Gall, said I, surprised-like, and trying to keep my face straight. Gall! Well, I can't see that it takes such a brave man to call at a friend's house when he's been told to do it. Oh, that part of it is all right, he replied. But she'll think I only call to get my face fed, and it makes me feel like a... I don't know what. You see, I always get away quick. Well, stay longer. There ain't no use of being in a hurry, I said. Stay and talk a while. Then they'll think I ain't got enough and push more pie at me, like they did once, he complained. Suppose I give Silent your terrible ordeal to do. I suggested tentatively. Or Bud, he's dead anxious for your job. Oh, it ain't as bad as that, he cried quickly. I only thought that I'd speak to you about it. I thought you could suggest something. Well, I replied, every time you call you say I sent you over to ask about the sheriff's health. How'll that do? He grinned sheepishly and then swore. H blank L, that would make a sure enough mess of it, he cried. I'd be a royal American idiot to say a thing like that, now wouldn't I?" The sheriff laughed heartily, and they talked about the picnic, until they had reached the ranch house, where he wrote the note to his wife. Bidding his friend good-bye, he rode out past the corrals and headed for the A.Y. When about halfway to his own ranch, and on A.Y. ground, he surmounted a rise, 
and saw a figure flit from sight behind a thicket, and his curiosity was immediately aroused. Not knowing who the man might be, he stalked his quarry and finally found Buck Nell standing beside his horse. "'Well, what's the trouble now?' the sheriff asked as he came out into sight. He was dangerously near angry, for Bucknell was on forbidden ground and was flushed as if from liquor. "'What's the trouble?' he repeated. Bucknell looked confused. "'Nothing, Sheriff. Why?' he asked, evading the searching gaze of the peace officer. "'Oh, I thought something might have gone wrong on the cross bar eight, and that you were looking for me,' Shields coldly replied. Bucknell looked at the ground and coughed nervously before he replied, which only made the sheriff all the more determined to get at the matter in a true light. "'No, nothing's wrong,' replied the puncher. "'I was just riding out this way. I was some nervous, that's all.' "'That don't go with me,' the sheriff said sharply. "'I've lived too long to bite on a yarn like that. Why, you can't look at me.' The puncher did not reply, and the sheriff continued. "'Now, look here, Bucknell. Take some good advice from me. Stay on your ranch, mind your own business, and let liquor alone. As sure as you monkey around the Star Sea, Blake will give you a blank sound licking, and he's man enough to do it, too. Make no error. And as for the A.Y., well, the temporary foreman of that ranch is the cleverest man with a gun that I ever saw and I've seen some good ones in my time. If you go up against him, you'll get shot, for he'd think you were about the easiest proposition he ever met. As sure as you drink, you'll get drunk, and as sure as you get drunk, you'll work up an appetite for a fight, and if you pick a fight with him, you'll never know what hit you. You stick to water and the crossbar eight. Oh, I reckon I can take care of my own business sullenly replied Bucknell. "'I can come out here drunk or sober if I wants to, I reckon.' "'You can do nothing of the kind,' rejoined the sheriff. "'And you certainly ought to be able to take care of your own business, as you say,' he retorted, holding his temper with an effort. "'But in the past you didn't, and you may not in the future. And when your business gets too big for you to handle, it gets into my hands.' and if you make any trouble, I'll de blank soon convince you that I can handle your surplus. Now, get out of here and think it over." Bucknell swung into his saddle and then turned, the liquor making him reckless. "'De blank it!' he cried. "'The orphan killed Jimmy and a whole lot more good cowpunchers. He's nothing but a murdering thief, a de blank rustler, that's what he is. And you are his best friend, it seems.' The wan smile flickered across the sheriff's face, but he still refrained, for such is the foolish consideration given by brave men to liquor. A drunkard may do much with impunity, for the argument states he is not responsible, forgetting that, in the beginning, he was responsible enough to have left liquor alone, and that injury, whether intentional or not, is still injury. "'There is no seam about it,' he retorted. I am his best friend, and he needs friends bad enough, God knows. But speaking of murder, those four good cowpunchers that stopped me in the defile tried hard enough to qualify at it, and the orphan not only saved me, but also some of them, for I'd a gotten some of them before I cashed. 
You're H blank L of a fine cub to talk about murders, you are. That's all right, retorted Bucknell. He's just what I said he was, and a side partner of our brave sheriff, too. To blank you, shouted Shields, his face dark with passion. You have said enough. Any more from you, and I'll break your dirty neck. Just because I felt sorry for you when you got half killed in the saloon and let you stay in the country, don't think you are the boss of this section. When I saw what a pitiful drunken wreck you were, I felt sorry for you, but not any more. You don't want decent treatment, you want to get clubbed, and you're right in line to get just what you need, too. Now, I'm not going to stand any more of your deblanked foolishness. My patience is played out. And if you are half a man, you wouldn't sit there like a bump on a log and swallow what I'm saying, you'd put up a fight if you died for it. You are no good, just a drunken, lawless fool of a puncher. Just a bag of wind, and it's up to you to walk a chalk line, or I'll give you a taste of what I carry around with me for bums of your kind. What in blank hell do you think I am? No, you don't. You stay right where you are till I get good and ready to have you go. You've come to blanked near the end of your rope, and there is just one thing for you to do, and that is, get out of this country and do it quick. You stay on your own side of the limping water, for if I catch you riding off any nervousness off of the crossbar eight ground without word from your foreman, I'll shoot you down like I'd shoot a coyote. And for a dollar I'd wipe up the earth with you right now. You de-blanked, sneaking, cowardly cur, you tin-horned bully! Pull your stakes and get scarce, and don't you open your mouth to me. Come on, lively! Pull your freight!" Bucknell slowly rode away, his eyes to the ground and not daring to say what seethed in his heart. He swore to himself that he would get square some day on both, not realizing in his anger that when sober he feared them both. The sheriff stared after him and then returned to the point where he had left his horse. As he mounted, he shook his head savagely and swore. Glancing again after the puncher, he struck into a canter and rode toward the ranch. End of chapter 19